Alayawi, the opportunity to be sharing your truth. Yet again, Father, thank you for this opportunity. So this might seem a little peculiar for some, but that's okay because I am a chosen and a peculiar person. I'm chosen that way. And I think I was chosen and God has reason for me and need of me as he's told me because I am that way. He knows that I'm always going to be truthful. He knows that I'm going to be upright. He knows that I'm going to be bold. And he knows that I'm not going to cower. And I'm not going to be apologetic. I'm not going to be ashamed for the gospel of God, my Father, or Christ Jesus, my Lord and King. That I'm not going to be apologetic for things that I say. And if there are those that are offended by what I share and how I share it, well... You know, you've heard me say it before, and I'll say it again. I don't care. And I don't care in an antagonistic way. I don't care because your validation is not what matters to me. I would appreciate that you would hear what I'm saying, listen to the message, and then look for the truth. Don't just, oh, I'm so offended. I don't want to hear it anymore. Because is that not what everyone is doing now? Look around and if there's something to be offended by. Something is going to set you off. Something is going to twist your knickers and you're going to sit uncomfortably and stir and stir and stir and be agitated. And you're going to be driven to respond to someone the same way that they may have treated you. This is why it's very difficult as a Christian and what Christ was teaching is that you cannot retaliate in kind. You have somebody, this is why he tells you, if they slap you across the face, turn and give them the other cheek. If they sue you for your cloak, give them your coat too. Give them, give them more than what they're looking for. And here's what they're looking for. They're looking for you to retaliate the way that they dish it out and when you don't, it absolutely confounds them. It baffles them and they can't figure it out. Brothers and sisters, I've seen this happen. Been physically present and they get so agitated, they stomp away. They don't come back. Now, it's not a guarantee that that's gonna be that way every single time because there are some people that are so ate up inside that they're gonna want to lash out. That's just this plane of existence. But I would venture to say that the higher percentage of them are going to shake themselves into agitation and stomp off fuming and pouting. And the Bible tells us that there are things that happen to the enemy when you do that, when you treat them with kindness. In ancient Egypt, they used to... Uh, and there's a scripture actually that notes notates this. Talks about the it'll be as they were had hot coals on their heads. Well, in Egypt, if you had somebody that shamed someone out and they, they did so in a malicious manner, it wasn't an accident, they were they shamed. So what they did is 
they took a big copper bowl and they filled it with hot coals and the person that did the shaming had to walk around with this on their head and it got hot and sometimes your hair would start to smoke and sometimes before they heard the person cry out and throw the bowl off, they would smell the burning hair. But we are told that they used to do that in Egypt. And this is something that we are taught to do to our enemies as a Christian, is that you treat them with kindness. If they're thirsty, you give them water. If they're hungry, you feed them. Treat them more What's the word? There's a word I'm trying to, uh, I'm sorry, I can't think of it. Mm. It slipped out of my mind. But you treat them better than what they're treating you. And In doing so, you actually bring the shame to them. So, in Proverbs 25, I believe, is that I'm, I'm checking on that. Pardon me, I'm sorry for the delay and then fumbling around. I apologize. But I believe it's in Proverbs 25. And I'm flipping over there as we speak. So bear with me for just a moment, please. Wasn't prepared to do that. I was just going to share with you. But the scriptures tell us that we need to do that because we don't want to treat them. We don't want to retaliate in kind. We want to treat them better than what they did. And when we see this, uh, here we go. Exactly what I was sharing with you. Proverbs 25 and 21. <clears throat> 20. I'm going to start there. As he that taketh away a garment in cold weather, and as vinegar upon nitre, so is he that singeth songs to thy heavy heart. If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat, and if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. That is, that's an important scripture there. That comes from the wisdom of Solomon. <clears throat> so when you do those things and you treat your enemy with kindness, the best way that you possibly can, they're gonna be confused and totally baffled. And then the reaction inside is gonna be 
they're going to be unsure. They're going to be, why is this person doing that to me? Why are they treating me so nicely? I don't understand. I don't get it. Why am I such a mean, vile, nasty person? But importantly, we are thankful for the opportunity. Now I'm gonna share something with y'all that, that may be a little, you might find a little strange, but that's okay, because I'm, I'm, I'm one of God's peculiar people. I don't follow all the rules as mammon establishes. I follow God's rules, his precepts and his tenets. And that's what matters the most. Not any validation that comes from man or mammon. I don't care. I don't care. If God is satisfied and he defines the lineage and he tells me that it's the way I should go, then that's the way I go. The Holy Spirit says, this is truth. I say, this is truth. If it's not appropriate and not what I should be speaking and not what I should be sharing, I'm not going to do it. That's why my name is not on this podcasting because it's not mine. And my name used to be on there because I thought, wow, how neat would it be to have my name, a little rhymey, rhymey thing, thing, you know. And I don't do any sponsorship. I don't get paid for anything. A lot of these folks out here that do these podcasts, whether you know it or not, you realize it or not, they have sponsors. They get paid for doing what they're doing. And I'm just going to tell you this. This is for the glory of God because this is his podcast. And he's paid me by allowing me and blessing me to be doing this. He showed me how to do this free. I've shared with you. I'll share it with you again because it's powerful. And I'm very thankful for this. I was looking how to do it because somebody told me I should do it. And here, here's how that came about. And I'm going to share this whole thing too. Um, actually, it was very... It wasn't all truthful and it wasn't all that, but you know what? I didn't, I didn't get on board with all the, all the negativity. Um, supposedly, what I was told by an individual is that because of the way that I share and speak in the Life Group Bible study that I bothered people for speaking the truth. And if they didn't know something or they didn't have the information, I had the scripture already turned to and I was sharing. Well, somehow I became faulted for being in the word of God and being led. So, but that, that going away. So what the person told me is that I should think about doing a podcast. Okay, so I started researching and it was going to cost me thousands of dollars that I didn't have to get the equipment, to get the this and that and, that and all this stuff to get going and do it. Well, I prayed about it and I let it go. This is a thing that of late that, that God has really been teaching me and nourishing me in this and letting go of things, which we all have to do. Because if we don't let go, we stay in God's way, we stay in our own way and we prevent the blessing from taking place.
because we're in the way of receiving it. Let it go. Step back, get out of the way. You gave it to God, let go. So, I was trying to do this on my own, figure it out. It was going to cost a lot of money, literally thousands of dollars. And I didn't have thousands of dollars. And these other folks, they get sponsors and they get, they do commercial and, and they do, uh, oh, can't remember what the word, but you know, like commercials. And when I mention particular young Christian artists, I think they're not paying me anything for mentioning their name. I don't do that. I mention it because I like their song. I like what they sing and I like the message. And I like the fact that it comes from the scriptures. So that's why I do it. But these other folks, they do their podcasts, even the, even the, uh... anyway, they get sponsors and they, they make money from their podcasts. I do nothing. What I receive is validation from Abba Yahweh, my heavenly father, the great I am, first and the last, ancient of days, author of the finisher. He showed me how I could do this and it would be done freely. I could reach more people. I can reach out globally. Brothers and sisters, I'm sharing with you this now and I've shared it with you before that I've received messages, direct messages back from people that are on the other side of the globe, literally multiple thousands of miles away. And that it would take almost a day and a half flying to get to where they are. And they heard the word of God because of his podcast. They heard my voice because God gave this blessing, this gift to me and has me about his business and sharing with those. Brothers and sisters, I couldn't, I couldn't pay for getting a plane ticket and going and doing all this. Not so sure they'd let this old guy in anyway. But I've had response and that's a blessing. That isn't, trying to pat myself on the back. That's, that's, this is, this is for the glory of God. Now, I'm doing this as somebody was, I think they had a different motive, but that's okay because God takes everything and blesses and makes it good to them that love the Lord. I love my Father God. I love my Christ Jesus. And this has been multiplied so much. This is so beautiful. So, now what I want to share with you, and this is going to, some of you are going to get a little baffled at first, but that's okay. We're going on a little historic journey. We're going to go back to um, February 3rd, 1959. I was a kid when this happened. And this is a real person, and I'm sharing this with you because it has to do with being thankful. And you're gonna be puzzled when I start, but you'll figure it out, and I'll, I'll clarify. So February 3rd, 1959, some my age and maybe a little bit older might 
seem to recall that date or even know what I'm talking about. Millennial-aged folks, I'm not even going to think that you might unless you're some kind of a, uh, what do they call those uh, music collectors? Audiophiles? Uh, audio, yeah, audiophiles. You save the albums on. And you might be aware of these. <laughs> but on that day, you had musician Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper, who was a producer, voice of radio, and he did the big, and he organized all of these things. He was a promoter. And on that fateful day, there was a flip of a coin. And Richie Valens got the flip of the coin and got on the plane with Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper. And they were flying in an area called Clear Lake. And the plane went down. And they died. The pilot, Buddy Holly, Big Bopper, and Richie Valens. Now I share that name, Richie Valens, and this is this is where I'm coming to this. He did a song that some of these record collectors might recognize, and some folks my age may recognize or know, or even younger, if they, they like that era of music, and there's some that do. But Richie Valens recorded a song that he did back then, and it was called La Bamba. And I bring this up because it's important to understand. Now, I'm going to do my best to translate and provide clarity for you because the song is actually, um, I got to make sure that I get the, 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 uh, hmm, sorry. I want to do the translation, right? Um, and there's a couple words that I got to make sure I do. And I'm going to look those up right quick here. Sorry for the delay. But just bear with me, please. <coughs> Pardon me. So, La Bamba was a song that he recorded and he did. And um, the song is actually rather important for what we're talking about. And it's kind of a... Um, The, the Latin word would be, 
and it might not sound like it, but it's uh, folklorical. And what that means is it's uh, folk music. And that's important because the song in itself is also very important. Now, as the song progresses, he's talking about La Bamba. It's a type of, uh, it's a type of dance. It's a very, mm, it's an important dance because it's for the country folk, but in order to be able to dance this, You have to be you have to be full of gladness. You have to be happy. And in order to play to, to do this dance, you had to have Gladness. You had to have gladness in your heart. There were things that were... Mm, it's a... Um, I want to I make sure I get this right. Now, you have to understand historically that, that there were... There were different levels of things when you talk about slavery and things that were done. But understand this. that a lot of times the conditions were not so great, but when they got together as community, they were happy. They knew how to be happy. They knew how to be thankful. They knew how to worship and they knew how to pray. And it didn't require missionaries coming and teach them all this stuff. They, they knew about it. So in order to dance La Bamba, and as the verses in the song sing, para bailar La Bamba, in order to dance La Bamba, necesitas una boca de gracias. You have to have a mouth of thanks. Be thankful, meaning that your heart has to be Glad, not sad, not forlorn. In order to dance the bamba, you have to have a thankful heart. And una boca de gracias, a mouth of thanks, is what closely, closest little, una boca, a mouth, de gracias, of thanks, a mouth of thanks. Or a little less literally, with a mouth of thanks, or a thankful mouth. And remember what the scriptures teach us is that as you have in your heart, so shall your mouth speak. So if you're thankful in your heart, you're happy in your heart, you're glad in your heart, you're gonna speak that. You're gonna share that. And that's what we need to do. And I share this song with you because it was very popular 
And I remember when I was much younger and when I was old enough to start listening, even before I was really old enough to have my own radio and, and listen to music as I chose, I chose most oftentimes these songs, these older, I mean, that's what I grew up in. I wasn't listening to Tommy Train and all this stuff. I mean, as a younger person, I mean, a really young person. I might have, but as I started getting older and moving around, I like to listen to this stuff. And mostly what I listened to was all the dance stuff, things that had you moving. And La Bamba was a very happy song. Sadly, Richie Valens, he lost his life in that fateful day by a flip of a coin but he recorded a beautiful native Latino song. And he was sharing with everyone, in order to dance this song, you have to have thanks in your mouth. You have to be thankful. You have to be thankful in your heart. You have to feel that in your heart to be able to dance La Bamba. Para bailar la bamba, necesitas una boca de gracias. In order to dance la bamba, you have to have a mouth of thanks. And through the course of the rest of the song, you have him singing about things. He was thankful for not being just a sailor. Yo no soy marinero, soy capitán. He's not just a sailor, he's the captain. He's the captain of the ship. But what we really have to be thankful for is that our captain, our pilot, our guide is the spirit of God and the Holy Spirit has the till. And when he has the till, we're going to be fine. And be faithful that you might run into some stormy weather, but it doesn't matter. Not to be frightened and afraid like the disciples were. They'd already walked a little bit of time with Christ. And he was tired from all the teaching and everything that was going on when he, they were with him. And when they got onto the boat, and here's something that folks don't realize. The Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, which they traveled on a lot. But it was interesting in the topography and, and the way things are, and this is, meteorologists will share this information that it's factual, is that storms would come up and just, uh, you know, you'd be out, it would be sun shining and, and you're less than halfway into the trip and all of a sudden here comes a storm. And they're not just little puffs of wind and, and get you crooked and some wave. These are some pretty potent weather fronts. And they come in at the drop of a hat. And when they got on the boat to cross the sea with Jesus, he was tired. And he went to the back and lay down. Now, you remember the story that the storm came up and that tiny ship was tossed about and they began to panic. Oh my, oh my, we got to go wake up Jesus.
And what was the first thing that Jesus did? First thing he did was he gave them a gentle rebuke. And he told them, they woke him up. He wasn't mad at them. He wasn't, but he gave them a gentle rebuke. He said, oh, ye of little faith. And I'm sure that if he had expounded on it, he might have said, okay, now I'm going to paraphrase, and this is me. This is, this is my oddity. This is how I am. He would have said something like, are you, you're all kidding me, right? You're waking me up. I'm tired. I've been doing all this stuff all day, and I lay down to take a nap, and I have given you profession. You've seen me heal people. And yet, this boat being tossed around and going, I, I was rocked to sleep and you felt it necessary to come and wake me up because you were frightened and at least half of you, well, actually, that's not accurate. One, two, three, four, five of the 12 were fishermen or seafaring men. They'd been on the sea. They, they had made a living from the sea. So they went and woke Jesus up because they were frightened. They became fearful rather than thankful. Brothers, we're going to be fine. We have Christ Jesus with us on this boat. Nothing is going to happen. Nope. Instead, they went back to wake him up because they had become fearful. They had been driven by fear. So as I shared with you before, they reacted contrary to the way they normally would have or should have. They reacted differently. So in a panic, they went and woke him up. Lord, Lord, Rabbi, Rabbi, get up, get up, get up. We're going to sink. We're going to sink. Oh, ye of little faith. And then, to compound things, he turned his back to them and he said, peace be still. The waves stopped, the storm stopped, and the clouds rolled away. And what did they say? Did they say, thank you, Lord, thank you, Rabbi, thank you, Master, thank you, Teacher, thank you, Son of God. They didn't say any of those things. What did they say? They were confounded and confused, and these were the disciples. I mean, now granted, they were, they were young, they were just starting out, and they weren't sure. They were just learning. But again, they had been with him and seen him do things and they believed on who he was. That's why they went with him. And yet, what was her exclamation? What manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Well, I know who he is. 
He is my king. He is my king, he's my Lord, he's my savior, my redeemer, all sorts of names that go on. He is my, my God that came to the, this plane of existence and was placed on that cross. He was murdered. Call it crucifixion, whatever, but call it what it is. They murdered him. Let's not get all gentle and get all whiny and crying. Oh, I'm sorry, I use that term murder. Is that offensive to some people? Well, too bad. It's exactly what happened. They murdered him. He was found without guile. Pilate three times, three times, three times went to the stage, the audience, he had this platform that was in the middle and they were all gathered around and screaming and hollering and the the Sanhedrin was going through the crowd and giving coin in the hands for them to scream out that they wanted to crucify him. That's not really what probably some did, but they were very poor. And that coin would probably feed him for several days and they were happy to have that. <coughs> Pardon me. So they were dropping coin in people's hands to get them to be against Christ and to say what they wanted the people to say, not the truth. But Pontius Pilate, before he washed his hands in the basin, which was symbolic there, and some people misinterpret that, but according to the scriptures and according to the historians and according to things that were written of that time, and it's interesting, there's people that call that historians because it's documented. And by others, not just the Bible. But anyway, he stood aside with Jesus three different times and Jesus remained still. Jesus remained silent and he wasn't making a big fuss about what he'd done. And Pilate being the reigning regent, three times told them and announced it publicly, I find no guile in this man. Guile is willful wickedness, wrongdoing, lying, cheating, stealing, guile. Covers it all. And he announced that he found none. And then he announced that Christ was truthful. And then he announced that there is no just cause to crucify him. And yet, after which time, he said, if you want to crucify him, then you are going to have to do it. And I wash my hands in this matter. So then he washed his hands in the basin. Basically, he had pronounced the decision and what was done. But because they were where they were at the time, and because as it is in so many places, all this politics get all stirred up. And he was concerned about that. So he turned Christ over to them. And of course, we know that they murdered him. And there are probably some out there that their knickers are all twisted, knotted up, and they're squirming in their seat. Well, oh well. 
It is what it is. They murdered Christ. It wasn't, you know, as if crucifixion is somehow gentler, but if you know anything about the Romans, um, the way that they handled things and the way they did things, yeah, crucifixion is not a decent thing. They were very adept at torture. And as I've shared with you before, that they beat Christ nearly to death before they paraded him out in public and took him up Golgotha and buried him on the place of the skull or crucified him on the place of the skull. Which is what Golgotha means, by the way. But this, too, is a place that the Pharisees decided to put when they told David, oh, you can't have that head of that giant in here because he's not, he's not a Jew, He's a giant, and he was talking blasphemy against God, and it's unclean. So you can't keep that in a box inside the city. Well, you have to put that outside the city because it'll make the city unclean, and then we're going to have to do all these ceremonial things, this and that and the other thing. And, yeah, we can't be bothered with that because we're the pharisaical tyrants, and we tell you how it's going to be. And, David, you can't do that. You have to bury that outside. So outside the city walls it went. And as many believe, as yet proven that it was buried on this mound outside the city walls, the place of the skull, Golgotha. But again, a testament to the pharisaical tyrants. They were always telling people how they were going to do things and they didn't do what they told others to do. They didn't act accordingly. And this is what Jesus was telling us. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees. But brothers and sisters, much more importantly is to be thankful. Una boca de gracias. Have a mouthful of thanks because as your heart is, so your mouth speaks. Be thankful in your heart. Be glad in your heart. Our Heavenly Father is Lord God Almighty, the maker of all things made, who gives us breath every single day. So before you roll out of bed and start the day, be thankful that you have a breath to breathe. Be thankful that he gives it to you. Tomorrow is not promised, but God gives you breath gracefully and mercifully allows you to continue breathing through the course of the day. You have to remember that it's all through that. Grace and mercy are not exactly the same thing. They're combined together. But grace is the act of giving and mercy is the act of continuance. So he gives us the breath and he allows me to keep drawing the breath through the course of the day. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something right now. I am so thankful for the grace and the mercy of my Lord, my God, in spite of, despite the consequential life that I'm living, I, I, God is so good to me. All these things that are going on, things that could be different, might have been different, would have, should have, could have, none of that matters. What matters is that when I look back, truthfully, of course, there are things that I perceive that, but I'm not going to dwell there because that's what Satan wants me to do. 
I would love to be with my son's mom. I mean, goodness gracious, that would be a... Goodness gracious, how long would that be? 23. So it would be... A, 40, 47 years. Oh my goodness gracious. Oh, makes my head hurt. But anyway, um, forgiveness, grace, mercy, and love, and continuing to allow me to do his business, to be about my father's business, and at my age to be blessed and grace with the breath every day. <clears throat> I have some soreness and things that are coming on with my age, but I'm also, I think I'm, I'm overdoing because I'm trying to exercise and I have to, I have to, <laughs> I have to remind myself at times that I can't do as I did when I was younger, still in the service, 19, 20, 18, 19, 20 years old, that, that those days are, those were the days, my friends. <laughs> And they're not here anymore and that I can, but I can't exercise in that way. And when I do, and then of course here too, this is something to be important. And this, this part, I'm going to share this. This is vital because there are those that do work in the church and claim to be doing it for the church and all this stuff, but they've allowed that sort of thing to become an idol. And we have to be cautious. And I allowed that. And I have, and, be, and I'm not going to do that anymore. That when, when you do, work for the Lord. If you're doing it for the Lord and it's in his house, then when he tells you to stop and it doesn't matter what the validation of people around you are going to say and, or it doesn't matter anything that they speak, don't do it because you think they're going to think less of you because you're not doing as much as somebody else, okay? So what I did is I, <coughs> pardon me, I exercised crazy in the morning, overdid that, and then went to do this um, outreach thing and, and, and overdid there because I didn't want the others that were younger, way, way, way more than half my age. <laughs> yeah, these are, these are children. Many of them are, are not even as old as my youngest child. And I was trying to do so they wouldn't think less. And which was such a mistake. Oh man, I hurt. I was sore, but I was continuing. And then, but, but here's, here's the important part of that and why I bring that up. is because we can't do that and then expect God just to pick up and carry us through. That's not really how that works. God is our strength when we need him to be strong for us and we are weak in that, but we don't make ourselves weak by doing contrary to what we should be doing and doing opposite of what we should be doing. And then we cause the weakness or the fall down directly. And then we expect God is going to pick us up and make everything okay. That's that magical snap of the finger I've shared with you about. It doesn't work that way, brothers and sisters. This is why the Bible is very specific about it. Do not tempt the Lord thy God. And that's what they're talking about when you do that. Because see, God loves you and he's gonna want to carry you through this, but you don't do things. You're not gonna throw yourself off a cliff and people are gonna say, don't do that, don't do that. You say, ah, 
God's going to catch me before I hit the bottom. Here we go, God, and then jump off the cliff. And expect not to let you hit bottom. It's like these folks that um, you don't hear about them so much, but you used to hear about them a lot. But the the snake handlers and they do all this prayerful, provincial type stuff. Well, you're handling viciously deadly poisonous serpents and you're not handling correctly, but you're saying that God's going to protect you and that God's only going to allow them to strike and harm the unrighteous. Well, first of all, that's froward speech. It's false doctrine and false teaching. You're putting people purposely in harm's way to try to test God to make him do? God's not, a te- God's not a test subject, and he's not at your beck and call for things like that. Be truthful, straightforward, and always be thankful for the power of God and that he walks with you always because he's always with us, He's promised to always be with us, is always with us, and will guide us and teach us through his spirit, which does that. Necesitas un poco de gracias. It's necessary that you have a thankful mouth. Mouthful of thanks, mouthful of praise. It's necessary. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in every day? Be blessed. Thanksgiving's coming soon.